Welcome, guys, to the Reviewaholics' first ever podcast episode. Uh, with today's first podcast, we're going to be looking at Friday the 13th, the original made in 1980. So before we get started actually reviewing the movie itself, I just want to talk about what the original movie did in the sense that it doesn't compare too much to the sequels and the fact that the killer is not Jason Voorhees. Uh, spoiler alert, if you've never seen this movie, He's not the killer, which is kind of interesting to think about because when you think of Friday the 13th now, that is, you know, the image that comes to mind is Jason Voorhees in his hockey mask with his, you know, machete towering over, towering over unsuspecting teenagers. <laughs> Can't talk. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about how this movie just did what it did and then the sequels kind of just went off on their own it's almost like they're not a part of the same franchise um yeah but that's you know just my little thought on that whole deal but anyways getting into the movie um we start off with the opening scene lets us know we're at camp crystal lake in 1950 uh, 1958 so right away you're introduced to a killer pov shot um where the killer is basically just stalking around the camp uh, inside the cabin around the kids and it's you know a little off but then a transition to two counselors who end up going upstairs to, you know, have sex. But it establishes that meta right away that, you know, if you have sex in a horror film, you're going to die. Um, but the, the, the kids uh, get caught and they react as if they know the killer. So that off the bat just kind of throws you off. It's, you know, it's weird that they would react in such a way. So it makes you wonder... You know, is it some? Is it another counselor? Is it someone, um, maybe from the town? You know, it really makes you think. But then we move forward to present day, and then this is where I just kind of, I want to list all the characters because this is like my bulk of my notes for the most part. Even though, I don't have too much to say about them except for Alice. Uh, but anyways, we're introduced to Annie right away. And Crazy Ralph, those are the first two we get to see. Annie's kind of just, kind of like a free spirit girl, just hiking, looking away, looking for a ride to get up to the camp itself. Um, she gets killed very quickly, and the driver who ends up killing her is, you know, seems very friendly. You know, she's talking to her the whole time, um, trying to have a conversation, and then things go pretty bad when she doesn't turn off to the camp and it kind of freaks Annie out in a way. So, uh, her death scene is, eh, we'll lead in, we'll get into that with the effects, but you know, she gets her throat slit in the woods with a very bad, uh, effects, but it's okay. And then we're introduced to crazy Ralph and crazy Ralph is pretty well summed up by his name. Um, he's very odd. He's very obsessed with the camp itself so that makes you wonder you know is could he potentially be the killer because he has sub, uh, such an obsession about about the camp itself and not wanting kids to uh, be at the camp but then the uh, story gets established that you know the camp's haunted cursed jinx and you know it shouldn't be open or operating right now uh, but then we start getting introduced to the other characters as we get to the actual camp. Uh, so we have Alice, who's going to be your final girl, Bill, Brenda, uh, Steve Christie, 
Marcy, Jack, and Ned. Um, not too much to say about the characters. Uh, Ned is the jokester of the group. You know, tries to have a good time with everybody. Uh, not too much to say about Jack or Marcy. They're just kind of the couple in you know the couple in the group who end up dying to, pretty much together for the most part. Uh, Steve's character is kind of kind of a creep. Um, don't know what his age would be in the actual movie, but he looks way older than most of the other kids. And he has like, uh, I don't want to say an obsession, but he's like flirting a lot with Alice and he like starts caressing her face and, you know, telling her, give me another chance and all that. It's really weird. But, um, he drives a Jeep that is identical to the killer's Jeep, which we'll see, or which we see when Annie gets picked up. So that also throws you for a loop. And right now there's like a red herring of, you know, who could be the killer? Is it going to be crazy Ralph or, you know, could it be Steve Christie? Uh, and then Brenda and Bill, not too much to say about them. Both their kills are off screen anyways. But the movie continues, you know, they're fixing up the camp, all the cabins, you know, doing just basic, basic chores around, you know, the whole deal. And nothing really, for the most part, nothing's really happening after that opening scene with Annie getting killed. Um, there's a scare with crazy Ralph where, you know, for some reason he's like in the pantry of the, of uh, the main cabin, which, you know, it's, it's weird. Um, why not just introduce crazy Ralph, you know, outside? You know, I mean, I guess this adds to the point of him being, you know, like a crazy lunatic really trying to drive, you know, that point of, you know, maybe he could be the killer cause he got, got inside the cabin without anyone noticing. <clears throat> And then, you know, the movie just kind of continues, nothing really happening. They go for a swim. Same old stuff. Well, Steve decides to leave uh, to go grab some stuff from town before the storm hits. So he's gone for, like, pretty much majority of the movie at this point, which also leads, you know, you to think, you know, maybe he could be the killer because he happens to, you know, leave when all the killings and everything start just taking off. Um, but Ned is kind of off by himself and he sees Jack and Marcy kind of, you know, getting a little intimate, you know, they're, they're walking around together, kissing, you know, he's, he looks to be a little jealous. So he kind of just tries to keep busy and find something to do when he catches a glimpse of somebody standing by one of the cabins in a black raincoat. And I don't know if you can like see this, if you watch, um, the original on a VHS or something, but since I'm watching, I watched the movie on, you know, my Blu-ray copy, you get a pretty clear, like, picture of the face of the killer, and if you already watched it, you know who the killer is, so you make it out really easily. I don't know if you can pick that up on the older copies, but anyways, you get a good glimpse of the face, and if you don't know who the killer is, it kind of looks like Steve just not wearing his glasses, so... That leaves, you know, one to think again that, you know, Steve could definitely be the killer because he hasn't been around when all the kilns are going off. But anyways, that's the last time we see Ned. He gets uh, his throat slit off screen and we end up seeing his body as a little scare when um, Jack and Marcy end up going into the same cabin uh, cabin and end up having sex. And this is where we get uh, one of the I would say probably my top kill in the movie is uh, when Marcy leaves, you know, Jack's just sitting there kind of just chilling out 
and gets, you know, a drop of blood falls and, you know, tries to wipe it. Well, right when he wipes it, a hand comes up from under the bed and just stabs him straight from the back of the neck, like all the way through his throat. And it was, you know, for the time, the effects do look really cheesy. And you can tell that they're using a body dummy and like all this stuff. But, you know, it's I I have an appreciation for it because it is a practical effect. You know, they used um, real, you know, makeup and effects for that, not, you know, just CGI like they would use today. Uh, So I give them props for that. But uh, so Jack gets killed there. Then we, you know, fast forward to Marcy uh, getting killed in the in one of the cabin stalls. Heard that scene is good, but also really bad slash funny. Um, the scream she has is just so dumb. She, you know, she turns and then you see the axe like in the air and she just stands there and just like, ah, like just lets out like a whelp. And it's, it's kind of funny, but it's like, why wouldn't you run? You know, you got someone with the axe just standing there. Why wouldn't you just take off and, you know, get out of there? But anyways, she gets an, an axe to the face. Another good effect. It looked good. For the time, right. Okay, so getting to the kind of the setting of the actual movie itself, um, the feeling of the, you know, the camp out in the woods, middle of nowhere, cut off, the town's, you know, far away. There's no one, like, close to you. Cops won't get there, you know, that quick. Um, plus the addition of the storm, it makes you feel really isolated, and you kind of feel for the, you know, the counselors that are already there that they are cut off and there's no one really there to rescue them that, you know, they're in this situation. So they're basically on their own. And the movie does do a good job of portraying that with where they set the film at. Uh, Moving on to Brenda's death scene. (laughs) Kind of also brings up, I'll get to the metas in a minute, but there is that meta where she hears something and decides to go looking for it, which ends up leading to her death. And I wish we could have seen hers. Um, it happens off screen. All you do is hear the scream later on, which kind of sucks, but you live with it. It's going to be all right. So we move forward. And with her death, it's weird because not only is she hearing sound, it's not that she's hearing sounds. She hears a kid's voice. And now that we know what the franchise is about, you know, it makes sense. But right then and there, if it's, you know, you've never seen this, you're, kind of confused and you're like, you know, what, like, what the hell could that be? Like, why would there be, you know, a kid out there? But then it kind of clicks to what the truck driver was saying early in the, in the film that there was a kid that, you know, drowned out there. So you could be thinking, okay, is the place haunted? Is, you know, is this a kid's ghost or something? But, you know, we end up knowing who it is. We end up knowing who it is and pretty much a few more minutes of watching the film. But the also the look of this film is another thing I like. Um, it looks I want to I use the word grungy. Um, it almost you know it's real low budget, and it almost looks like you know it's a film you could have made with your buddies. You take you know camcorder or something out to the woods, film for about an hour and a half, draw this up, chop it up. You know now you got a remake of this pretty much. But um, I looked up the budget for this film and. You know, sure enough, very low budget of only $700,000, but it pulled in a whopping, you know, $59.8 million at the box office. So that's huge. And 
speaking of that feeling of like grunginess, um, I also had the same feeling when watching, you know, the original Halloween movie it has that kind of same amateur shooting feel to it. But I like it because it adds to the realism of the movie that, you know, this could be happening to you. You know, it's not real high budget. It's not overproduction like a lot of other, you know, action movies or something would be. Um, but comparing, uh, just like a quick comparison budget wise, Halloween's budget was even cheaper than this one with only $325,000 to work with. And they also blew it out of the water at the box office as well. So, you know, props for them, you know, working with what they had and making such a great movie out of it. But at this point, we're pretty much at the end now. It's really only Bill and Alice left. And they're trying to figure out a way to get out of there. So this is when they try leaving. Nothing's working. Of course, the metas are kicking in to the movie. Anyways, Bill's, Bill ends up going out and checking him for the generator to see why it's not working. He dies. Gets pinned up against the wall with some arrows. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool, but obviously you can tell it's just a dummy. But, you know, it's 1980. They were working with what they had. And this is where I want to just go ahead and talk about, you know, the metas of the movie that are pretty much seen. And it's pretty much covers every meta that we know in a horror movie. So first we have, you know, the car won't start. You know, they're trying to get out of there. Truck's not starting for whatever reason. You know, it's the typical meta car won't start. We're stranded. Then we go to, you know, the phone line's dead. You know, phones aren't working. We can't call for help. We can't call the cops. You know, now we're really screwed. We can't leave. Can't call for help. You know, what are we going to do? Today, you know, you would say, oh, you know, just text somebody. Yeah, that kind of ruins it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, killer cuts the phone line. It's typical. Phones are dead. Can't do anything. Um, classic one. We've seen it already twice in the movie. Having sex is going to pretty much guarantee you're going to die you know, it's a guarantee you're dead. Um, chasing sounds or voices that sound odd probably isn't the best idea to do in a horror movie. And probably realistically, if you were to do that, you'd probably die too, you know, if this was like a real, you know, horror movie. Um, and yeah, that was, those are pretty much all the metas, but it covers all of them for the most part. You know, there's some that might've gotten left out of there, but it's the same ones we've seen and you know we'll get into more meta stuff when i cover scream uh in the future because you know that movie just is a it's you know aware of the meta type stuff but you know scream we'll save scream for another time it's you know it's one of my favorites <laughs> um so at this point alice is all alone steve got killed also by someone he knew Interesting. So opening scene, two kids get killed by someone they know. Now Steve gets killed by someone he knows. So obviously this has to be someone that has been around for a while, either lives in town, has worked at the campgrounds, you know, something along that, uh, along those lines. So at this point, Alice is kind of freaking out. She ran into Bill's body. Now she doesn't know what to do. Um, Brenda's body gets thrown through the through the kitchen window freaks her out so she's just you know in panic mode she's just terrified doesn't know what to do 
excuse me, all this time, the music's going crazy. And that's something I love about this movie is the music. It's really good. And it's, it just adds to that creep factor feeling of the movie. You know, it does a really good job, but this whole time this, you know, music's just going off, it's pumping, you know, it just adds to the intensity of the scene. So Alice, you know, bolts it out the window or not out the window. She bolts out the front door because she sees, you know, car lights coming up. So she's thinking, oh, it's Steve. And of course you see, you know, that same Jeep. But now, you know, it's obviously not Steve is the killer. And then the music just cuts. And who are we greeted with? We are greeted with Mrs. Voorhees. And at first, as I wrote down, it looks like, you know, she's going to be saved, you know. Mrs. Voorhees doesn't appear to be a threat at first. Like, she shouldn't be. Because at this time, most killers in these movies were men. Um, I don't know if this is the first movie with a female as the killer. But still, you're expecting the killer to be a man for the most part. Another meta thing, which is explored and scream. So, you know, Mrs. Voorhees, you know, tries to save save the day. You know, she wants to see the bodies and Alice is like, no, no, we need to get out of here. You know, this is, this is bad. We just need to leave. And she's like, oh, it's, it's going to be okay. You know, no one's going to hurt you now. So she goes and sees the bodies. And then this is when you start realizing, oh, this, this is the killer. It's Mrs. Voorhees. So she starts, you know, to asking Alice, you know, she, if she's heard the stories about uh, a kid who drowned there so many years ago and Alice is just kind of like, you know, still in shock and. This is when Mrs. Voorhees starts, you know, kind of getting into her crazy moment. And it comes it comes to fruition that Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. So now Alice is like freaking out. And this is where the over the not, I don't want to say over the top, but the best word is for it, the prolonged chasing ensues, and it is awful. <laughs> Um, I feel like they made this chasing just, I feel like they made it long because they were trying to stretch the runtime because with that included, the runtime is only an hour, like an hour and 36 minutes. So not very long. So if you cut that chasing out or just down, that's going to shave probably a good 10 minutes off the movie. And they could have saved some more time by shaving other, uh, scenes down because there's a lot of scenes where they're just kind of prolonged shots or they're just not doing anything like Alice making coffee while everyone's pretty much dead. It's like a five minute shot of her, you know, getting coffee ready. I guess it adds to like the realism factor, but when you're watching it, you're kind of just like, okay, this is kind of boring here. Come on. Like, let's get this going. And they end up doing this again in the second move or, you know, in part two, but I'll cover that, you know, when we get to it, but so we have this prolonged chase scene and it's so dumb because Alice has a chance to kill Mrs. Voorhees three separate times. You know, she knocks her down with the fire poker. Great. What does she do? Instead of like beating her more or stabbing her with it, she runs. Okay. She goes to another shed. She ends up getting, I think she hits her with the butt of the gun, kind of knocks her down for a minute and then just takes off again. And then she hides in the pantry, hits her with a big, you know, skillet frying pan. And what does she do? She takes off again. But I mean, to her credit, she did see, you know, she was bleeding from the head. But still, you know, in that situation, 
all your like friends just got killed by this lady, you would be, you know, pissed off and probably, you know, beating her to death. You know, one would think, right? Not Alice. <laughs> so, you know, it's a major plot twist to find out, you know, Mrs. Voorhees is the killer, but it's a good plot twist, you know, because you're really not expecting it. And eventually we get to the end of the movie where Alice finally kills her with a decapitation, which is probably, I think, one of the coolest uh, endings to a horror movie or a, a villain in a horror movie that I've seen personally. Um, yeah, when I say ended, that's where the movie should have ended because now, now we go to... She, you know, floats off and then we get the Jason, you know, popping out of the water as a zombie. Like, come on. That's, that's so lame. That, that just ruins it. I get there, you know, maybe trying to open the door for a sequel or they wanted that final scare at the end, but it's so dumb because now we're leading into the sequels that followed and it, they just don't even make sense of how like it could even happen. Uh, like is Jason just came back from the dead because he saw his mom get killed at the lake or, you know, he's been alive this whole time. It, there's so many like holes in that, in this storyline because they decided to add that and uh, they should, they should have just ended it with Alice waking up to the cops pulling up. Perfect. You know, roll credits. That'd have been the perfect ending, but they didn't. And then now we get, you know, one of the biggest horror movie franchises that, you know, exist which is fine. And, you know, if you love the sequels, personally, me, I do not um, absolutely hate them. Uh, one through four or two, three, and four I could deal with. You know, they're not that bad, but six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> so Jason goes to hell. That one's, I think, the worst. And then you have Jason X and ugh, it just gets out of hand with that. But I mean, some concluding notes on it. It, it, you know, it's a great horror movie. It's a classic. Um, like I said, the music is really good. It add, it helps add to the creepy feeling throughout the film. Um, having, you know, Mrs. Voorhees as the killer again is great. It's a great plot twist. Um, and having her as the killer really helps seal that or makes you feel that realism factor I'm talking about and her motive. And her motive, you know, having lost her kid because he drowned due to someone that was supposed to be watching him, you know, being negligent, you know, it caused her to snap. And, you know, that's pretty realistic. You know, you lose your kid that way, you'd probably snap too. I don't know if you go off killing people, but you, you mean, yeah, I feel like you would snap. That's realistic and way more believable than here's Jason Voorhees, this like seven foot dude who came back from you know the dead now he's unkillable not as believable um then also i uh, just wanted to add that a little too much filler throughout the film like i was talking about with the, the coffee scene the chase scene just a little too much but i feel like they had to add that just to get that runtime because if they don't i'm surprised that this movie breaks an hour and 10 minutes honestly um but yeah overall great movie if you haven't watched it definitely give it a look. It's not that expensive on Amazon. Um, for the, for everyone watching on YouTube, I'll go ahead and link that in the description itself. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, a great addition to your collection. If you are a horror enthusiast like myself, that is why I actually bought it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's a great movie. Um, 
great, you know, great watch every now and then. But we're gonna get into the sequel, the sequels of this. Um, I'm only gonna cover the ones I have, which is one through four. Actually, I don't even, no, I don't, I don't have four, so I have one through three. But four is where it all ends, or was supposed to end. But of course, you know, they can't keep them dead because you know they want to make the money off of them. Which ugh. I think that that kind of mindset ruins horror movies. But as a production company, I don't think they really care. You know, they just want to make the money off them. And they don't really care what the plot line is, if people are really going to like it, as long as it makes them money. So they're going to beat it and milk it for everything they, you know, <laughs> it's worth, which is sad. But anyways, so some concluding thoughts, guys. I just want to say great movie. Um, I enjoyed y'all stopping by for this first episode of the podcast. I'm still trying to get everything figured out. This is my first one, so hopefully make improvements as we go. But um, this is going to be a lot of fun. I actually really enjoy doing this, uh, covering movies like this. Um, Still trying to figure out my approach to it and how I want to go about it because I start talking and I start jumping all over the place. So I'm still trying to stick to points and just go in an order, but jumping around is going to happen as one you know particular things that remind me of something and then it, it, i'm just gonna bounce back and forth but um yeah uh, if you enjoyed this podcast go ahead and give it a follow um go ahead and follow our extension on youtube uh at the reviewaholics and yeah guys you know thanks for stopping by until the next episode i will see y'all later